Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, episode number 125. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes that have known each other forever who catch up most days in the Melbourne CBD for lunch to talk everything Essendon Football Club. My name is Grant and with me is Scott. Hello everyone, good to be back. Uh, we're joined after the Brisbane game. Uh, it feels like that game was a while ago. I don't know why, but just yeah, maybe, okay. yeah. maybe it was just the smashing. Maybe because it was a non-event. Yeah, it never really happened. But might um, be that smashing we got. Look, we'll, we'll talk about the Brisbane game. No, probably not a, as much length as we normally do because it was a game that was a bit dour and and hard to really get too much out of the game when it's. I, I hate wet away. weather footy, like real yeah. serious wet weather footy like that, because no no team is used to that anymore. Nobody trains Especially for especially us under a dome. Yeah, yeah, right. Nobody trains for it. Everybody trains for for fair weather footy. So we got we got smashed. Um, but you can't sort of really hang it on a lot of people because it was awful conditions and we, we, we're going to have a little bit to say about it, but it was there's not really much we can take from that game. No, it is a game, probably a classic game. You go, well, let's move on from that one. Yeah. Um, but we'll talk about it a little bit at length. But look, we... We do have something um, that you know we've been putting out on social media today, so no, no, so no doubt a lot of you have seen it already. But we wanted to just talk about it, uh, and it's a really, really exciting moment for one of the our podcast. one of our biggest moments. I'd have to say probably our biggest in, in a yeah. big way. Um, besides getting track rutting on the show, which was pretty huge. And look, tonight, just before we even say, we got Josh Maney, general manager of, of football at Essendon, on the show. Just to have him. So uh, <laughs> yeah, the. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy that. We we can get really good guests. Uh, we can go talk st- get straight to the point with key people at Essendon. Um, so look, a, a massive thanks for Josh to agreeing to come onto the show so and, and to the club as well. Yeah, uh, uh, this is a big get for us, and, and we'll obviously ask some of the questions that you've put onto us, and, and then we'll see how he see what he see how he answers. But uh, big big thanks to Josh. So look, I want to get back to obviously a key event. Uh, so on Saturday, the eighth of May, uh, yep. put that in your calendar. So we obviously were me and Grant have been talking. Actually, we've been talking about this for eighteen months. Would you believe? Yeah. Um, but just COVID happened, so it, it didn't happen last year. But it was actually it was actually going to happen last year. We've been talking about interstate games and trying to isolate what's in maybe an interstate game where a lot of people don't go. Um, to the game uh, from from Melbourne uh, and GWS quickly came up, yes. <laughs> uh, and, and so we we saw that you know we we fly over to Sydney uh, and play GWS on May eighth, and then we just got our heads together and um, we have a, a dear friend Scott who owns many many a fine venue. Lots of pubs in Melbourne, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he's a mad Essendon fan, and we had a discussion with him. Said, well, how about we um, have a big event on, and how about we we hire a big cinema screen um, and have it at at the Welcome to the Thornbury Hotel. Yep, and have some lunch. The game's kind of perfect because it's one forty five p.m. So we're going to have everyone meet at twelve noon. Just enjoy each other's company. There's there's going to be burgers there's going to be drinks uh, and grant will sort of explain soon about the tickets and what what's involved yep uh but a big coup for us was also dustin fletcher agreeing to, to uh come along and join us uh so basically look you're getting everyone we're getting a whole bunch of Essendon fans to watch an interstate game it's kind of goes from 12 to 5 really uh 
and we're going to hopefully see the boys beat GWS on a massive screen. We're going to have some lunch. We're going to have a live podcast and a live Q and A with Dustin with Fletcher. Dustin, yeah. That, that will start probably around about twelve fifteen, uh, to, sort of twelve fifteen, twelve thirty. There will be a Q and A podcast, so you'll get to see a kind of a live podcast in front of you with Dustin Fletcher. See the game, have lunch, tell us uh, about the tickets, Grant. Where do they need to go? And what does a ticket involve? All right. So tickets for the event on Saturday, May 8th are $30 each. Now, for that $30, it gets you entry into the venue, uh, which is the Welcome to the Thornbury Hotel, 520 High Street in now. You'd want to say Thornbury, but it's actually Northcote, isn't it? Yes. And it's and it's a private room, by the way. Yeah, private room. We've got the whole room to ourselves. Um, so 30 bucks gets you in the door at the Welcome to the Thornbury Hotel. Um, a live podcast. Scotty and I will be doing a podcast live. We'll be doing a Q&A session with, um, with Dustin Fletcher. But it also gets you... A free burger. Um, we're going to have a burger van there for everybody. Um, vegetarian included. And a vegetarian option. Um, so a burger van and we get and you get one free drink um, on arrival. So beer, wine, spirit. House wine. Not spirit, sorry. Beer, <laughs> <laughs> beer wine uh, and soft drink uh, when you arrive. Um, and to get those tickets, what you need to do is go to Eventbrite. Uh, Eventbrite, E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E dot com. Um, and just type in the lunchtime catch-up in the search bar. Uh, up will pop. Um, yep. You can buy a ticket through Eventbrite. It's the only way you can get them. Um, they're 30 bucks each. We've sold a fair few so far, which we're ecstatic about. Um, but, yeah, go to Eventbrite. Um, buy your tickets through there. You get uh, the tickets sent to your email um, and just present those on the day and you and you can get in. So um, like Scotty said, we'll be doing a, a live podcast. We will um, – everybody can have take their own time to get their own food and drinks – Dustin will be there um, uh, for sort of 12.15. We can ask him a million questions, get some stuff signed. We're going to give away a footy on the on the day as well. Uh, and then once uh, once that podcast is finished and recorded and the game's about to start, we can all pull up a pew and sit back and watch the uh, the boys play GWS. Um, Scotty and I will be there for the, for the entire length of time. We'll be watching the game, trust us, um, with several frosty <laughs> beverages. So yep. we are really excited um, to be able to announce this, and we hope that uh, everybody wants to come and join us. We've got um, plenty of capacity in that facility, and we hope that uh, uh, you can come and join us at, for a, a live match day event. Yeah, look, it, it should be awesome. Uh, uh, it's something that's new to us. Uh, we're learning the ways of audio and, and technical and, and, and hiring movie screens. And Having said that, it's <laughs> going to be slick, though. It's yeah. gonna be. It's gonna be slick. It's gonna be like a Hollywood production. Well, though. thankfully, yeah. our good friend Scott uh, knows his caper very, very well. So he's giving us. Yes, a, he does. He's giving. He's a Madison fan. He's giving us a huge hand. Uh, so yeah. So on the day, it should run very, very smooth. So yeah. There's an advert. There's a an ad or a post on Facebook about this uh, on the Facebook page. Twitter now as well. And Twitter as well. So and no, it's actually on um, with, Instagram with the link well. provided. So. Yeah, with the link provided on there. So if you've actually if you've got any questions about the event, um, shoot us a question there on Facebook. We'll get it and we can respond to you. Uh, there was one interesting question: Is that can you bring kids? You can absolutely bring kids. Um, that's not a problem. Um, so uh, yeah, get back to us if you want to uh, ask any questions on that subject. But apart from that, we're sincerely hoping we'll see you all on the on the eighth of May. It should be great fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, my only recommendation is if if you can try. Um, and get tickets as, as early as possible, uh, just so you don't miss out. But, yeah, um, I'm looking. I'm looking at a lot of tickets been sold so far, which is great. So uh, yeah, huge event. Uh, it'd be so good to have like core Essendon fans 
all in one room, one secure room, um, and just cheering on the boys, having Dustin Fletcher with us, which is crazy because <laughs> he's such a legend. Um, uh, I know. So I'll, we'll be a little bit stage struck as well. So, um, uh, yeah, massive day. So let's talk also about the Brisbane clash. Uh, right. Obviously, obviously, pretty one-sided affair. And um, I must admit, uh, early in the game, I read the tea leaves pretty quickly that that we were going to get sort of a bit Hammered. of a smashing here. Yeah. Look, there, there's several parts to it. Um, there's there's the logical part, right, about how young we are and and how our bodies are nowhere near as as physical as prison and as far as development in their bodies is yet. I mean, yep. you look at Reed and you look at just the hams and and you know there's there's guys all over the place that Cox and um, Archie's not too bad actually, um, but there's you know there's just a young inexperienced team that got sort of physically overrun by a really uh, accomplished, developed team. So yeah. there's then there's the other aspect where probably Truck, you know, I think even at quarter time he said, hey, um, his concern was that um, he was talking on Channel 7 saying his, the structures were a bit out of whack um, he, and they just have to tidy a th- few things up like that. Uh, and so you there's probably two little sort of streams going on um, where well, I'm sure like the club mo- – is one of those ones where it's going to move on pretty fast from this game because of the downpour and, and you know, as far as skills, it's very hard, you know. It's not a running handball. It just did nothing yeah, for our it, game plan. Our game plan does not We're such that. a strong handball team and even, and even so we even tried to probably handball a little bit too much. Um, and then I noticed just when our kicks, I know people say, you know, oh, wet weather footy, just get the boot on the ball. But at some point you do have to look up though and, and yeah. go, am I still kicking it to a 50-50 contest? I understand it's getting the boot on the ball and moving it forward. But I felt like our guys, a lot of the times, just actually had, just went thinking through, just to, just actually too panicking, put, put, putting our... Yeah. Uh, ball to boot and just we had no structure or setup for where the, the ball was going. So um, so I, I still think there's things to get out of the game about how we can develop better in, in those conditions for the next time. Uh, but really, in all sincerity, it is a bit of a move mo- move on moment for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're all small learnings and we love the word learnings at Essendon. Um, so. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, I guess the the problem is it's, it's made us one and four, um, and you know if you keep losing, your, your season's <laughs> pretty much done. Right? Yeah, yeah. So Anzac Day becomes quite a big clash if you want to remain some somewhat kind of aspirational for yeah, aspirational. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and this is if that game was a lovely Brisbane game, bit sort of steamy, but beautiful 26-degree night game, we would have given Brisbane a serious nudge. But um, in that game, it's it's too difficult to figure out or I don't think there's any massive benefit to determine, yes, okay, Zach Reed is way too thin to be playing in the wet because the thing with the wet too is that there's no finesse. There's no yeah. – you can't run across the top of the ground at, at full speed. It requires grunt work. Yeah. And it requires in and under kind of grunty And work. it requires, like, even though the ball's slippery, you do notice the guys who are very good in the dry with their one grab touches excel the same a little bit in the wet. And, you know, one thing you did notice that we probably had a lot of fumbles and we just were not used to those conditions. 
Yeah. That and that's the thing. It's we could you could sort of start from back to front and go through all the players and that sort of stuff. But it's it's and it's, it's a question we could potentially ask ask Josh. What what is a club? Do you take away from that game? Like I don't know that you can take away skills. Like if you're looking at the players and you're reviewing their performances, it's pretty tough to sort of talk to each other about oh this guy didn't sort of show good skills here or he got skills there. Because it's it's super fugly, kick it as fast as you can, as hard as you can. But like you said, I think the club will be sort of looking at it from, from more from along the lines of when we got the ball, did we make reasonably good decisions with it? And the answer, I think, was no to that. No. And look, I don't want to pot uh, too many people, right? And, and you know, this, I'm not really in that mood tonight, but... I, I think, you know, I'll, I'll give an example of a Devin Smith, right? I think there's a, a conversation, if I'm truck anyway, and, and you know, maybe I'm re- going to read this wrong, but if I'm truck uh, and I have Devin Smith line up at half forward and, and Daniel Rich goes to him and you go, well, okay, well, kind of Rich is obviously looking after Smith and, and vice versa when Brisbane's got the ball, Smith needs to defend Rich. Yep. I'm not sure Smith had that much respect for Rich the whole game. And, didn't. and Rich has had obviously 31 disposals at a pretty good uh, efficiency rate, which he always does, and he carved us up. Uh, so I think there's still lessons to be learned about uh, – I mean, Daniel Rich to me, uh, I thought – personally mean was an obvious one that you actually almost have a close to a run that's, with player. That's exactly my thought. Like if you look at the club, you go rich, absolutely rich. He's been doing it for ages up there. Yeah. Well, he's their designated quarterback to, yeah. to release from half back. And so I found it, I must admit, I found it very, very frustrating that Smith didn't pay that attention to him. Uh, so I, they're the things I, you know, I want to pinpoint. I thought on, on the positive side, I thought Archie Perkins, uh, he had 20 disposals, did really well. Um, I thought he looked, you know, as the game went on, was looking more and more comfortable. So um, I thought Cox's first half was really promising in the wet. I mean, he's still got pretty good hands. Uh, so, look, there, there was definitely positive. Zach Merritt, obviously, is having a stellar year, yeah, trying hard. Yeah. I thought McGrath tried hard. Uh, he's had 12 tackles. So uh, he's trying he's – trying I think his next level, probably with Parrish, is how can we turn, and which is hard for this game, right? But I think in general, I still believe this, how he, can he turn possessions into hurting the opposition uh, without kind of either the, the one, two-meter handballs or the chip kicks? Um, how can they start really hurting the opposition with creative um, ball use that, sets us up and, and gives us genuine drive instead of playing a bit safe. That's just my personal yeah. view. I think that I think that's their next level. But I thought I thought the defense was was as solid as it can be. I thought Reed um he got in one thing about Reed, I, I thought he got in the right positions nearly every time. Now, now whether he got bumped off or whatever, that's kind of not his fault where he's at. But I, I, I just wanted to see how he positioned himself and I thought he did it nearly correct every single time the ball was going in. Yeah. So I'm. I think Truck would see that, um, uh, and be happy about that aspect that he's he's yeah. at least in the right position. That's all you can ask. Yeah, and a kid, <laughs> a kid that small is going to have, um, well, thin is going to have problems. And 
it's it's a game into the into the kid, and he like you said, he he, he looked good when he was back there. Um, would have been nice to have Ridley for the for the majority of the match, but that didn't happen. Um, so yeah. again, it's it's tough to. It's like you said. I think you said at the start of the the, the podcast. It's a bit of a reset game. Yeah. Just just reset next week against Collingwood, and it sucks we don't have Ridley for that game. It really does, yeah. Um, but this is now the game that I think that. I mean, Collingwood would probably the say the say the same. They've, they've gone. They've over both the got to go in feeling like they can win this game big time because yeah. Collingwood's in West Coast, which is a hell, was at West Coast, which is a hell of a road trip. The Dons played in um, in the a biblical flood in. Brisbane, it, you can't really tell the the form of each other. So um, this next week is going to tell the form um, yeah. with potentially some calling, well, Goey and, and old mate Howe out. Yeah. Um, we've got our most important player in Ridley out. So this is going to be a massive game. Yeah, and look, before we go to a break, I do want to do a one massive shout-out, and that's to Cal Hooker, who... I must admit, you know, he's fourth. He's fourth in the Coleman Medal. Uh, he's averaging almost four goals a game the last four weeks. It's insane. Uh, you know, and that's a that's in a wet game. He's kicked four. Uh, so as you a know, tall too. Yeah. So shout out to Kale. I mean, he's having a ripper of a season. And again, I, I've I've said it before. Say it again. He, he, I see him down back, but I I think I know why they're playing him down there. They're playing him down there to extend his career, and that's fine. Mate, I stand corrected because averaging nearly four <laughs> goals a game, mate, if we got that out of... Well, yeah, he's the top four in the AFL kicking goals. Then big time, right? You're Imagine a if we got that out of Harry Jones. If we got Harry Jones who was averaging four goals a game, he'd be the greatest rookie in the comp at the moment, right? So, yeah, yeah look, mate, Kale, I, I know you're a listener. Um, Kale, brilliantly, uh, brilliantly done, mate. We're loving it. Yeah, so look... Uh, we'll wrap that up. We, we need to get Josh Money on the line. So we'll have him after the break and talk soon, guys. And joining us now on the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, we are very pleased to announce uh, we have Mr. Josh Marnie, the GM of football at the Essendon Footy Club. G'day, Josh. G'day, Grant. G'day, Scott. Thanks for having me. No problems at all. Thank you very much for coming on, mate. We uh, we know you are most probably one of the more busier uh, people on the face of the planet at the moment, so we really appreciate your time to come on and, uh, and have a chat to the listeners. It has been a little bit busier with a couple of travels in a row, uh, back-to-back travels in the, to Sydney and Brisbane, so that... You lose a day most of the t- most of the time you do that. So, but yeah, really happy to have a chat. Beautiful. All right. Well, I'll start off with just a um, a question straight off the bat. Um, can you tell us a bit about your journey so far coming to the club um, from Melbourne? Um, there was a, a. I'm sure you were well and truly aware that there was a, a full review done um, at the club, um, and I, I'm pretty sure you would have been made um, aware of all of those changes and the and the feedback and that sort of stuff. Can you tell us about your journey to the club, what it meant to get that kind of feedback um, and the review information, um, and some of the areas that you felt were priorities to be addressed at the club? Yeah, no worries. I probably um, you know, started this year a bit late in some ways. Um, got appointed in December, but didn't start till pretty much the first week in January uh, after the guys came back from the break. And probably in some ways, it's a great thing for a new person coming in that uh, I was handed a review that was done, being done by the board. Um, 
And also I was able to have a week just walking around the club just before Christmas where it was just a lot about just learning about how things work here, talking to a lot of different people. So I was able to have that few weeks away where I could digest some of the information that comes through the report and then some of my own conversations as well. And yeah, the way I really came in looking at the program is that they get a good handle on a few things. Um, firstly, of, of where our list was at, uh, get a really good idea of you know some of the demographics around our list, you know, our age profile, um, where a lot of them at talent-wise. And uh, that was through a lot of conversations with the coaches and, and uh, Adrian and the recruiting staff. Then the next part is to really you know, delve a little bit deeper into all the programs that we've got at the club. Um, and if I was to define the programs, it's basically anything that's got to do with improving players. Yep. Um, that's a program. So been able to spend some time with the high-performance guys, have a look at what the, you know, the physical program looks like, what our development program looks like what our nutrition program, our psych program, all those sorts of things. Probably spent the first few months um, looking at those things. And then the next question is, have we got enough resources in the right areas? Um, really, it's a, it's a crucial role for the GM of football is to be across all those things because even more so now, we've got uh, limited budget with uh, what's happened with our soft cap and off yeah. the back of it. So we've got to be really smart with where we spend our money, make sure it's really in the appropriate spot and um, that's really been probably my focus for the first few months is making sure we've got you know, the right resource in the right areas. Uh, Josh, um, my first question is actually uh, a bit of a tough one. Uh, so, But I am a nice guy. Uh, but look, I, I know you um, uh, started late uh, and you obviously you're just talking about kind of officially starting really first week of Jan. Uh, look, I've got to be honest and say one thing I did notice that the VFL program started late uh really it, it felt like it was at almost the same time as you joining the club or, or not far off often and there there just was a concern with me with our age demographic being one that's probably needing development um how that may have had an effect i guess with the vfl program starting late and just what's what's your overview of of possibly why or what we need to do to strengthen that program yeah, I'll probably answer that in a few ways. Um, I think every club's VFL program started late and that was a little bit of uncertainty about what it's going to look like for everyone. Uh, everyone didn't know how much money they were going to spend and how that was going to um, impact their VFL program. So across the board, everyone started later than normal. Yep. Um, but it was one of the first things that I saw, as I, as I said earlier, one of the key things is to have a look at where our list is at. That should dictate um, where we spend our money. And one of the key things, uh, key changes we want to make straight away was make sure we had a, a strong VFL program. Um, I really believe strongly in the VFL and the way the, pro, uh, the role it plays within player development. Um, it played such a crucial role for me in my own career. I got drafted from the VFL twice to get AFL opportunities. And you know, we've, got to, we've got a number of different roles we play within that. We have to you know, obviously develop our AFL listed players. We also play an important role for people who may be coming straight out of the the NAB League uh, that want to play the highest level of footy they can or for guys that might be looking for a second chance to get back in the AFL or mature age players. So now one of the first things we did was um, we wanted to make sure we spent our salary cap. Um, so we had to go out and, and look for players. We were a bit behind in doing that. Uh, probably missed the boat on a few of them because we were starting a bit later. Yeah. But uh, also making sure we got the right coaches um, around that program as well. So yeah, we just had our uh, launch of our season last week and uh, Lee Tudor, who's our, our coach of our VFL team, yep. he went through the season launch um, the week before and he was speaking to a lot of other clubs and 
he came out of that saying we might have started late, but right now we've got more resources in coaching and in medical than other clubs have. Uh, other clubs are complaining about the resources they've got currently. Okay. So, yeah, we, we would have we started late, but we've made some really strong grounds. And I think, you know, we might have seen in the pre-season games, we trialled, I think, 45 to 50 players during that period just to make sure we get the right mix of players. And we wanted to put some mature age players around our, our young developing players. So, yeah, the team was uh, up against it in round one. Playing against Brisbane was a pretty tough challenge. They've got a, uh, yeah. not many injuries for AFL lists. And, um, you know, I've been a pretty good team probably for a couple of years. But I think this, this our team will just grow through the year as they get more familiar. And it's going to be really exciting to watch the VFL because you know, some of the players we're going to be down there, um, some of the tools are just going to be developing in front of our eyes. So, yeah, it's, um, it's a, it was really a focus for me to make sure we've got the right resources down there. Um, as I said, we might have started behind people, but I'm happy with it, where it's at at the moment. Okay, thanks. Uh, it- and I guess it's it's interesting. The next question I've got sort of around the AFLW um, team. We're we're a we're a huge fan of the AFLW team down there. Like so we had Alex uh, Morecambe, I believe. Oh, VFLW. VFL. Sorry, my apologies. AFL. <laughs> it should be the AFLW. Um, the VFLW team. We had Alex Morecambe on a couple of weeks ago. Um, um, we had a great response from that uh, that interview. Um, can you tell us what the next stage is for the the Don's um, AFLW team? Um, I mean, we're, we're sort of finished, I think, third this year, um, or currently in third position. Um, mm. Can you tell us the next steps on us getting an, an AFLW team? Yeah, so you know, firstly, coming from a club that hasn't had an AFLW team in Melbourne. Oh yeah, yep. I saw firsthand how um, how good it is for the club and how many benefits that it brings to the club overall. So I'm really supportive and happy to keep uh, pushing as hard as we can to get an AFLW license but now what we um, the VFLW uh, I go down to watch training and go to the um, majority of the games and um, you know I think what you get out of it is how excited they are to be in the environment um, how how happy they are to listen to the coaches and how much they want to get better and, and we're talking about people that are you know still got jobs to do yeah. uh, they're coming they're working their full time and then they come to turn up for training with such amazing energy and you know, our AFL players can learn a lot from them about how they go about uh, playing footy and the passion they bring to it. So, you know, I'm really uh, wanting to support that group as much as I can. Uh, in terms of the AFLW licence, uh, where it sits at the moment, there's a an AFL commission meeting in May um, where they're getting presented some information about what the expansion looks like for AFLW. So we're hoping at that stage that we'll get an answer on if it's not next year, when it's going to be and what their plans are around the expansion. But yeah, I think that by having a VFLW team now for a few years, it's allowed us to, to really look at what the integration can look like with uh, having women's football involved in the hangar and what the facility can, uh, how that can work and also you know, the environment and what it can create for us. So yeah, it's been really good to have the VFLW. They've got uh, amazing change rooms now and what the expansion of the hangar, um, probably better than uh, most AFLW teams currently uh, is a locker room and, and yeah, a facility yeah. there. Yeah, oh, I mean, from, from, sorry, Josh. Yeah, they're doing a really good job, and um, yeah, they've got a big game this week against Collingwood, who are currently top of the ladder, and yeah, looking forward to seeing their improvement throughout the year. Absolutely. I mean, from a from a fan's point of view, we just love seeing twenty two more Essendon footballers running around. Um, it's when you when you sort of take the W out of the process. It's um, we we we've been Scott's been down, and I've been down to a couple of games. 
And it's just great to see 22 other um, Essendon footballers running around with a sash um, uh, on their jumper. So um, I'd, we, we have, at the end of pretty much every um, podcast, we always um, promote the AFLW games, tell everybody to get down there, because in the end, yeah. that's that's what it is. We've got 22, and who wouldn't want to see 22 extra AFL um, Essendon footy players running around? So, yeah, we love it. Yeah. We're, we're really pleased to see the clubs investing in it long term. Well, it's nice to hear you say that, because I've, um, I've said that to all three programs where you know, anyone who wears an Essendon jumper has, should feel comfortable coming to the hangar and be yeah. given the same opportunities to be the best player they can be. Um, yeah. And that's you know, really important about that. We align the programs as much as we can. I know uh, Ben Rutten's spoken to the VFL players about what he's trying to create at AFL level and he's going to do the same with the girls. And I think the more and more we're aligned and be one club, I think that's going to be um, benefit all the programs. Absolutely. Can I just ask a question, just on, I guess on the, on the men's competition uh, with the senior guys, uh, it's been kind of an indifferent year, right? It's been one of those years you go, look, we could have been, you know, three and two and or <laughs> uh, two and three at least. Uh, there's been obviously some very close games. How, with a young team that's kind of building, how what's the messaging with the coaches and yourself um, and the players internally discussing the year so far because I know it's one and four and usually that's um, not a great position, but it, it just feels a little bit different. Like there's, you know, you see the Cox, you see the Perkins, uh, you see Reedy some younger talent. Um, and I think even with Essendon fans, it's just, there's not like a, uh, what's the word? Like a, a too negative kind of vibe. It feels like, well, we're, we're kind of building here, but yeah, we're not getting it into wins. Uh, is that, Frustration behind the scenes, or how how are you guys viewing it at the start? Um, yeah, if, if you take away your emotions of about the games and what we've felt, it's been really good for a, a new person to come in. And the games that we've had, I mean, every game's had something different thrown at us. And yep. I've been able to see how people react, players and staff react under pressure, how they react under when things are going well, how they react when the game's on the line. Um, when things aren't going so well in games. So, you know, from someone in my role, it's been really good to sit back and see how people react to those different things. Um, in terms of how we're going internally about this, is the last thing that anyone sees is the scoreboard, and that's the last thing that changes. Um, the thing that you've got to get right first is the during the week, and you've got to get, and what that means is we've got to get training right, we've got to get the way that we review games right, we've got to get the standards right, what we reward within our environment. Once we get all that right, um, then the flow and effect and the last piece of the puzzle will be the scoreboard. And that's how we're um, explaining it to the players. You know, I think every week we've played, there's things out of every game that we can improve on, but there's also things we can celebrate every week as well where we've made progression. Yeah. And what I'm really impressed with um, Ben Rutten at the moment is how consistent the environment is. You know, as I get, there's been some emotional games within that first five rounds, but how consistent the environment has been has allowed us to continue on the, the plan that we're going with about, yeah, there's going to be different things thrown at us. There's going to be games where we probably outperform what people think we'll do. There'll be games when, unfortunately, we probably won't perform at the level, and that's what you get sometimes with, with younger groups. But overall, if we're consistent with the way we're looking at each game, as I said, keep looking for improvements and keep celebrating the little wins. Um, we'll get to the uh, mid-season. Then we'll get to the end of the year with some you know, really good progress made in a lot of different areas. Yeah, and I found it interesting too, just 
with a young side, the the schedule at the start of the year. Uh, I don't know how you guys see it, if it was a negative or positive, um, but having really from round two to round five, three interstate trips, that's pretty rare for anyone to start the year that way. Um, and it kind of felt like the team were kind of embraced it. I know they hadn't had the success they wanted, but it didn't feel like, you know, from a fan's experience, the hub last year, it felt like a heavy burden was kind of over the club. Um, and that's a result of many things that obviously even just community and family and everything with COVID. But it felt like this had a bit of a different spirit about how they approach the games. We all saw Heppel's after sort of match uh, comments uh, after the Swans game. Have you guys sort of attacked that first five weeks knowing it was such a difficult kind of schedule? Yeah, it might be some of the learnings out of pub life is that we're all just more adaptable to to just knowing, let's just take on whatever gets put in front of us. Um, And that's probably been our reaction. I mean, at the moment, you'd love to have the whole fixture in front of us and know exactly when we're playing and be able to work out that. But that's just reality of what it's not going to be this year. And Every travel travel was uh, harder for younger players. It's a different routine for them. But, you know, just for now, for you know, Nick Cox, he's travelled three times. So he's <laughs> now trying to bed down a bit of a um, <clears throat> his own preparation for game day. You know, what's it going to look like when he's in a hotel, when he's got a whole day to, to take care of. So that's always invaluable experience that our players are getting in travelling. Ideally, we wouldn't have had three in the first five rounds, but I suppose the positive out of it is we've only got you know, three to go for the rest of the whole season. So, yeah. Um, Hopefully get these games, those travels done and then uh, be down in Victoria for the majority of the second half of the year. Now, mate, I'd, from your time at the Ds, the, the Ds have got a lot of having some success this year. Um, and it's I think there's a, um, a bit of consistency in the players and they've been around each other for a while. Um, and it's it's starting to lead to a bit of success. Christian Petrarca's doing all right over there as well. Um, I'm just wondering, from a fan's point of view, we're trying to... And I know it's it's you'll probably say calm down. It's it's too early to do this yet, but we're trying to sort of imagine what the progression for success will look like at Essendon. We've just picked up three of the better tools in the in the draft. Um, Nick Cox looks like a dead set champion. Archie's a good looking unit and not far behind <laughs> him. Um, and we've got Reedy who's just coming and looking good. We've got um, my personal favourite Josh Air um, in the VFL just looking like he should be in the ones. Um, I'm just wondering whether or not that's the kind of linear improvement that you're looking for at the Dons. There's going to be a period of time where we need to get to know each other, new routine, new new coach, and then the once that's in and embedded in their minds, and like you said, Nick Cox knows how to prepare himself for an interstate game, Is are we expecting a quick rise in, in performance from there or is it just going to be incremental? Um, there's going to be different stages is how I answer it. Um, you know, Christian Petrarca started building really good habits during the week four years ago. Yeah, um, yeah. He became the best trainer. And then, you know, it took him a year of, of getting some sort of performance. But then he's, you know, now when you watch him play, he just looks like he's, you know, a really consistent player. And But it's off the back of really good training habits. And you know, a lot of the things that I learned from my time at Melbourne is a lot of the things I've already spoken about. It's about, it starts <clears throat> during the week. Um, starts with getting really high standards and setting good habits, uh, getting the right people in the right roles, having a clear strategy of how you're going to get to where you want to get to as a club, and then going about and executing that. Um, what I would say is, though, you've got to ride the bumps along the way. Um, 
just like, you know, uh, if I use the example, Christian Petrarca five years ago, he played a very good game and then he played an average game and now he's got it to a level where he's playing a good game every week. Yeah. But that takes, and we're going to see that with our players uh, throughout this. We're going to see, even within our team, uh, as we're all learning to play together, uh, we look at our back line at the moment, they're learning on the job at the moment. Yeah. Um, and that's why we've got to value every training session. Every training session, that back six gets to train together. That's another you know, um, couple, and it's another hour where they've actually learnt by playing next to each other. So we got to, you know, really value that time. Um, so it's probably not going to be linear. Um, it's going to be up and down. Uh, it's going to be week to week sometimes. But as you mentioned, when it does all come together, and they have got um, some training hours together and started playing some games together, now uh, it can uh, move pretty quickly after that. Yeah, great. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, that's the value of. Um, through experience of, of being at another club who, you know, probably when I first went, I got involved in this role at, at Melbourne, uh, we're further behind where than where the Bombers are. Yeah. Um, so, so we're a bit more progressed to where Melbourne were when I first went there, but you know, still a, a lot of work to be done, but, you know, some real positive signs from what we've already seen in, in a short period of time. And speaking, just, I mean, you don't often get to talk to the GM of, uh, of footy at Essendon very much, but there's one bloke that I've been wildly impressed with, and you mentioned that backline learning on the on the run. Next time you're walking past Aaron Francis, can you give him a pat on the bum for us and just say <laughs> the effort that that guy's putting in this year is incredibly noticed? Like, he's... He's a he's putting in incredible efforts on the likes of Buddy Franklin and that sort of stuff. So, I know it's, <laughs> you'll probably forget about this tomorrow, but th- that that kind of <laughs> stuff is definitely noticeable. Um, that there are players that are taking next steps um, in their careers. And and Aaron, I wanted to pass on him and say it on the podcast that Aaron's just performing incredibly well this year, and we're, we're massively proud of the bloke. Yeah, that's certainly getting celebrated internally as well. It's probably been to has played five games in a row now that. Uh, he's been uh, pretty consistent throughout that. And yeah. I know he's getting feedback similar to what you just gave from his teammates, uh, which is really important. And, you know, across the board, sometimes people just focus on the young players coming in and how excited we should be getting about them. But we should also be getting excited by the players like Aaron that you mentioned, should be getting excited by Braden Ham and yeah. Darcy and Andy McGrath and even Zach Merritt. Um, they've all got improvement left in them. And yeah. uh, that's the exciting part for Preston fans is, yes, let's celebrate the young guys coming in, but you know, celebrate the little improvements we're seeing across the list because that's, um, that's how we're going to get to where we're going to get to is that everyone that comes to Western gets better um, and that's where we start to be an attractive club again. You know, when everyone looks at Nick Hind and he comes in and he performs the way he does and Peter Wright comes in, um, Jai Caldwell, we need those guys when they arrive is they arrive a certain player, but when they leave Western, they're a better player uh, by the end of their career. So yep. that's a real focus for us and yeah, it's a good way to look at uh, how individuals are improving. Uh, can I ask also, uh, it's funny that you mentioned Jai Colwell. Um, it, it, has the club taken, I've, I've, this is how I felt anyway, uh, look, historically before your time, and I can say this, um, I've felt like um, sometimes we've brought guys back a bit too early. I felt last year um, Fantasia and a few other guys probably played when they maybe – could have had surgery earlier or something like that. And that's just personally me as a fan, right? So uh, I noticed we've been a little bit more conservative, which I'm more than happy about with with how we treat injuries um, and, and how they come back through the VFL. I, I just wondered with Jai Colwell, is it 
Do you feel like there has to be a conservative approach with him because of his junior history uh, with the, with that hamstring? Yeah, there does. Um, but there's no um, hold and fast rule about how to you know, bring players back. There's some injuries where you can push a little bit harder and guys can come back early and there's others where you have to be conservative. And they're just discussions we have with medical and high performance. And one of the things you do take into consideration is someone's history. So I think we've already seen you know, Jake Stringer, we had play a couple of games in the VFL yeah, before yeah. the AFL program. There's some players that have just come back. You know, Dave Zaharakis has now played a couple of games in the VFL. Andrew Phillips has played a couple. Um, Paddy Ambrose has played a couple. So you know, it's more an individual approach uh, based on their injury um, that they're coming back from, their history. Um, but the key thing is that when players come into the AFL team, we want them to be able to perform, uh, not just to play a game, but actually to perform. And if that means they have to Play an extra game in the VFL or an extra week in rehab. Um, we're willing to take that extra week. Yeah, we're, we're we're a big fan. Again, from a fan's point of view, we we have heard Truck say that that he doesn't want just players that are technically ready to go. The doc gives him the nod. Um, he wants them actually ready to come in and make an impact um, from uh, from injuries. So I think that's it's. I mean, you look at Jakey Stringer running in the VFL, and you think, oh, geez, he'd be great in the ones. But um, like you said, that extra week, that extra half for him or something in the VFL is probably going to do us a lot better. Um, when we get him in uh, into the ones, uh, mate. To, just to wrap it up really quickly, um, we wanted to finish off with um, how's Michael Hurley doing? Um, we all definitely feel for Hurls. Uh, we just want to get an update on him. Yes, um, no, he's progressing well, um, but he's coming from a long way back. But yeah. the, you know, the pleasing now he's starting to talk about running. Um, he might even be starting running this week, maybe on the the Alter G treadmill. So, you know. He's, the fact that he's actually getting to that point is, is impressive. Um, yep. And then we'll just keep building him up from there. Uh, it's been slow, but understandably it had to be slow you know, to have the, the injury that he had or the illness. Yeah. And I've had um, pretty unique. So we'll take our time with him. And But the pleasing thing is that um, you know, he's still having an impact on our group. He's not out there on the field, but you know, during the week he's, um, he's taking some lead. He's obviously in our leadership group, helping out with our young players, um, their positioning both uh, forwards and defenders. Uh, he's getting involved in other things for guys in rehab and pushing them really hard. So, so everyone that knows, uh, Hurls knows that he'll be looking for everything he can do for the club. And um, whilst he can't be out there on the ground, he's certainly still contributing. No, he's a, he's a fantastic, fantastic person. Uh, look, just, I'm sorry, just a very 10-second one. Uh, exciting to see Kane Baldwin uh, arriving at the club is he a classic case of there's no real set time frame or is there a realistic view of him possibly playing this year or is it a very conservative approach with the nature of his history? Uh, we're going to use the next four to six weeks to answer that question for you. Um, you know, he's obviously missed uh, uh, now two knee reconstructions. He's coming back. It's been over 12 months since this one. So it's already probably in the conservative bracket, but, our guys just want to get a really good handle on him for the next uh, four to six weeks, and then we'll be much better placed to answer that question. But yeah, yeah, there's a chance, fine. there's a chance we might say we, it's no benefit in him playing, but there's also a chance that we might say no, nah, we want to get him up and get him playing this year as well. Okay, excellent. Well, Josh, uh, thank you so much for um, for joining the show. Look, I, I, I so much appreciate it. Uh, we wish you all the best. We know uh, footy is a massive environment. A big, obviously, Anzac Day clash coming up. I think we're actually in with a real shot uh, here. So, um, uh, so look, all the best. 
we again appreciate you for coming on the show and uh, and have a great night, mate. Thanks, guys. No worries, and thanks very much for your support. Welcome back to the Smooth Sounds of the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now then, that was a great interview. Um, a massive thanks to uh, to the club and especially to Josh Marnie for coming on and having a chat to us. Um, to, to get that kind of access from the club, we're, we're really enjoying being able to get um, the, some of the senior guys from the club to be able to give us an insight into things. So massive thank you to Josh Marnie. Yeah, and he was, you know, he was happy to take uh, some tougher questions. We any and all you know, questions. I, I wanted to kind of make sure that there were some genuine questions that needed to be asked. Uh, not that it's his fault because he started in January, but uh, I just felt like you know there's some things that I that concern me, and I thought yeah, I will try and respectfully ask. So hopefully people will appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but look, big big clash coming up this week. So uh, Anzac Day, Collingwood have a number of plays out. Obviously, people remember we've got Colwell, Shield, Ridley. Uh, we've got our fair. Yeah, fish. I know. We've got our fair outs as well. So uh, the Goey and Howe ain't good for the for Collingwood, but I'll, I'll, I really want Ridley and, and all those guys in my side. Thank you. Uh, Ridley's a frustrating one because it seemed like just a light concussion, but as soon as it happens, bang! Once you once you activate, you yeah, you're out. And and look, I actually agree with the ruling. I, I agree that players should take two weeks out. There's yep. there's so much data now on head injuries. That I, I I'm fully fine with it. It's just frustrating. That's 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 really more what is it is. Is it two weeks now? So he rids is out for two weeks. Uh twelve days. So I think he'll play the following game. Okay, cool. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so he's really just this I want to beat Collingwood. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I want to beat that dirty well, club. We've just had such rotten his- recent history. We just yeah. it's almost like we came up expecting to lose, but this one has a bit of Oh, we could win this. We one. could, yeah, we could. And this is the thing, like, buddy Mason Cox. They'll bring Mason Cox in. He'll kick two, and he'll ready. kick five on us or something <laughs> stupid. We're, 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 we are the classic uh, get an out of form player. Uh, in, we will in play form. a bloke into form, <laughs> especially a bloke that's played one good game of AFL football in yeah. his entire life. I hope we don't realize how good Jordan Ridley is this week. But look, Zerk Thatcher might be an obvious one if Cox comes in to come into the oh, side. I want Zerk in that side, man. I want yeah. Maggie in that side, and. Yeah, he's he's the the easy in for us. Um, yeah, and um, clearly Perkins is playing because he uh, he did the press conference interview interview today with uh, with Heppel about the game. So, oh really? Uh, Just it's because they're going to put the good looking bloke in front of the camera is what they're trying to do. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, massive game. Uh, it looks like they're going to allow. I haven't heard anything official as yet, but. Um, looks like they're going to allow a full stadium. Um, so tickets. Yeah, haven't haven't said, but it looks pretty good. Yeah, the MCC members, uh, I think, got tickets today. I think club members get tickets tomorrow, starting from around one pm. But don't quote me on that. Yep. Uh, so yeah, um, it's yeah. Um, me and Grant will be there. So we'll. Hell yes, we will be. Uh, yeah, I, I think for this game, if we do get a packed stadium. It will have like a very weird feeling because it's COVID's been so long, right? Yeah. To actually have a full MCG with the last post and everything, 
it'll feel like extra special. Yeah, it'll feel it like, really will. Yeah, it will, will feel like there's something. If you can get tickets to any Anzac Day, I'd say absolutely do it. It is one of those. It's a it's a yearly bucket list thing yeah. with the last post in a silent ground with ninety thousand plus in it is if it doesn't get the hairs up on the back of the neck, you are not Australian. And <laughs> this one especially, considering how big COVID and the massive impact that it's had on our lives, but also our sporting lives as well. So yeah. tell you what, the players will be up and about and we just hope for a, for a clear day. Um, and yeah, sit back, relax and enjoy everything that is Anzac Day. And the Dom's winning. Yeah, yeah, let's hope for a win, eh? So, Absolutely. look, a big clash. Um, look, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, again, if you can come to our, uh, our match, match day, day event, get tickets as soon as possible. Saturday, May 8, 12 o'clock start, 30 bucks a ticket, yep. free burger, free drink, entry. We're going to do a podcast. Dustin Fletcher is going to be there. Um, and um, you can book your tickets on eventbrite.com. Yeah, so you can catch us normally. Uh, everyone knows us on the socials. Mine's uh, Scooter McNeese on Twitter. Lunch Catch Up on Twitter and Facebook, uh, Instagram. You absolutely name it. look for um, look for updates on the Facebook page and the and Twitter and everything about the um, the match day event. Um, like I said, we've we've got a f- we've had a heap of tickets sold already. So jump in. There there is a finite amount of tickets. Um, so uh, jump in as early as you can. We'd really love to see you down there. Um, we're going to be uh, smashing a burger, doing a podcast, and then as soon as the game's on, mate, we turn into fans, um, and we'll be sat down on the uh, sat down on a chair with a frosty beverage or seven uh, and watch the games ourselves. No, no, brilliant. So thanks, everyone. Uh, have a great week. Yeah, have a great week. We will uh, talk to you very soon. Go Bombers.